Let's jump in. We are continuing our series called The War, Living Life on the Front Lines. And we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. We are in the middle of an epic war between heaven and hell, between good and evil, between God and the devil. And the crazy thing about this war is it isn't something we watch on TV or something that is off in the distance, but it's right where we live, day by day, uh, in our lives, we're in the middle of this battle. And so we want to learn how to understand it and how to fight and win. So, so far, again, we're in week six, so we've covered a bunch of stuff. So let's do a quick recap so we can get up to speed and uh, know exactly where we are. So uh, we talked about the first week, the fronts that we fight on. What are we fighting for? And there's two main fronts in this spiritual battle. And the first one is the battle for everlasting life. That God has offered eternal life to any human being who will submit to him, who will receive the forgiveness offered in Christ, and who will follow Christ. Everlasting life. So this life isn't all there is, but we have the opportunity for everlasting life. And yet, at that, most people do not grab hold of it. And so we are trying to help people understand that they can have eternal life and for them to grab it and for us to have it too. So isn't that important? Oh man. And then there's another front. How much should we sacrifice to help people find God? A lot. But the other front that we're fighting on is the front of abundant life now. Walking in God's blessings now. And we want to live in the blessings of God. Now there are martyrs, there are heavily persecuted, there are times where you face difficulties because of your faith, all that. I'm not pretending that's not the case. However... The Bible is full of promises of provision and all these things that we can receive now and have abundant life now. And these two fronts can seem to have a little bit of a tension, but I tell you they work together. If we are living in misery and pain and we are always losing and beaten down and crushed, we're not going to be reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we can't pay for anything and we're just all depressed and grumpy, who's going to, you know, like, I want what they've got. You can be judgmental and icky all the time and not like anything. And, you know, and, and everything, anything I enjoy, I consider a sin. Like, that's just yucky, icky stuff. And so if we're walking in God's abundant life, it helps us be able to share the, the life-giving gospel with the world. So they work together. We want to win on the everlasting life front and the abundant life front now at the same time because they work together. And... We are fighting against the devil. Amen? That's the enemy we fight against. He schemes, he lies, we reject that. So, we also talked about the fact that there are citizens and soldiers. Everyone is called to be a law-abiding, productive citizen of the kingdom of God. Everyone is called to full-time Christianity. No one is called to be a Christian for two hours a week or to have some idea in the back of their mind but be walking away from God. We're all called to be Christians all the time. And then some of 
those people will be called into service as missionaries and pastors, evangelists and teachers, and brought into these sorts of offices. And so there's a draft out of the citizens into uh, the military, into being soldiers. And then we also talked about maturing in the faith. Man, have you ever uh, met somebody who's a brand new Christian and they're on fire for Christ? Isn't that exciting stuff? And I always think to myself, well, I hope they make it through when they hit the wall. You know, because there's always difficulties. It's not just like, oh, I accepted Christ when I was 13 and then I lived happily ever after. You know, I mean, it just doesn't work that way, does it? We, we hit difficulty. We hit struggles. We have trials of many kinds. And we have to interpret those the right way. Grow in patience and understand how to serve God through that. So we start with a naive idealism. Yeah, it's going to be great. And then we hit the trials of many kinds. And then we want to get not too jaded, not too cynical, not to withering away and walking away, but we want to come into a mature idealism where we still have a childlike faith, but we're wise and we understand how things work and we are able to believe in God in a mature way. So we want to get to mature idealism. Last week, we started talking about the full armor of God. We want to put on the full armor of God. Last week, we talked about the defensive parts of the, honor, of the armor of God. The belt of truth. Very important. Love the truth. Are you with me? Love the truth. Don't love misinformation or half-truths. You know, it's political season. People love half-truths in the political season. Oh, my goodness. The whole truth and nothing but the truth, it isn't, it isn't available to us without having to dig and dig and dig because it's half-truth all over the place. People can have, you know, like gossipy, strifey stuff that's half-truth. Do not love half-truth. Love the truth. And certainly, don't love lies because the devil... He speaks lies. It's his native language. So we want to speak the truth. We want to seek the truth. We want to believe the truth. Even if the truth is boring. Love the truth. Then the breastplate of righteousness. Do what is right. He who does what is right is righteous. (laughs) Do not be deceived. It's just very simple. If you do the right thing, it guards your heart. Do the right thing as best as you know. So I used to drive fast when I was younger. I grew up in North Dakota. You can see everything. And you're going somewhere eight miles away, and you can see it. You know? And so, it pretty much looks the same if you're going 55 or if you're going 85. You know, I mean, it's the same deal. So, you know, why not 85? That was my thinking. And what happens when you see flashing lights and you're driving 85? You have a certain emotional experience, right? Because you know you're doing something wrong. However, then, you know, I got saved and all this stuff. (laughs) And a few years later, I started driving slower. And uh, then, last Thanksgiving, I got pulled over. And I saw the flashy lights. And I'm like, oh, look, flashy lights. I wonder what they want. So I pulled over. No flip in my stomach, nothing like that. I had snow on the license plate. They're like, yeah, it's snow on your license plate. Okay, 
And we got snow off the lights. I'm like, all right, have a good day. That was it. And off you go. You know, like I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong, so I didn't have that reaction. And that's the breastplate of righteousness. If you're doing the right thing, you're not going to have that, that heartbreak, that intense reaction of, oh no, I'm in real trouble now. It guards your heart. So the breastplate of righteousness. Grow in your shield of faith. Man, shield of faith, big, big deal, right? Extinguish all the flaming arrows, the fiery darts of the evil one. Hallelujah, I want a big shield. We talked about growing the shield. You know, we can have a little shield of faith, you know, that maybe stops them occasionally if we see them coming. But if you've got a big shield, it can stop more of those fiery darts and the promises, it can stop all of them. So we want to hear the word of God. You know, faith comes by hearing. So we want to know the truth of God and believe it more and more, build up, increase our shield of faith. And we talked about the helmet of salvation. In this war, you can be assured that you cannot die. Isn't it nice to fight in a war, be in the midst of a battle, and know you can't die? That's all right. Now, you can also know that the ones you're fighting next to, your brothers and sisters in Christ, as we fight this war, they aren't going to die either. We all have everlasting life with Christ when we have submitted to and trusted in God. And so that's the helmet of salvation. And what a great, glorious piece of peace we can have knowing that we're not going to get taken out. We're going to get taken up. Amen? And that those, now we all have loved ones, I'm assuming, that don't have that helmet on. We want them to get that helmet on. But man, we have got brothers and sisters in Christ too that we know have put on that helmet. Hallelujah. We can be assured that we can stand together in eternity, whatever happens here. This week, we're going to talk about the offensive parts of the armor of God and going into offensive mode, which I'm very excited about. So let's pray. Let's get into the new material this morning. So thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for each one that's here right now. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would touch each one of us with what we need. Lord, we're all in different places, fighting different parts of this battle, and we need a different touch from you. And I know, Lord, you can touch us right now with what we need, independent of what's said, independent of the direction of the sermon. I know you can touch us by your spirit. And so I ask you to do that for each one in this place. Lord, let us get something good from you. Let us uh, understand a little better. Let us know how to have faith a little bit better, know how to serve you a little bit better, know how to believe a little bit better for being here. So bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I prefer offense to defense. They say defense wins championships. I'm just not that patient. Let's go. You know, like, I like offense offense. It's something I've enjoyed all the time. Last week I talked about uh, paintball. Didn't I talk about paintball last week? So I'm a terrible paintball player because I just run out there and start shooting at people. Then I get shot and that's it. You know, I get 15, 20 seconds maybe I get to play and then I'm out because I just want to, I don't want to hide. Hide behind some little thing, you know, that's terrible. Run out there, you know, like storm the castle. It's going to be great. You know, I like offense. Now, defense is very, very important. We talked about that last week. This week, we're going to talk about offense. Now, here's the deal. 
We are not victims who need to be protected as believers. We are more than conquerors. Amen? We're not victims that need to be protected. We are more than conquerors. So don't let yourself have a victim mentality. Maybe some stuff has happened to you. But the reality is your identity in Christ is that of more than a conqueror, not of that of a victim, and you are born again into something new. So don't be a victim in your mind. Be more than a conqueror because that's what Christ has made you. And so give up the victim mentality. Let's walk into our true identity in Christ as more than conquerors. Let's read again Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 on the full armor of God. And then let's talk about the offensive weapons that we have at our disposal. Ephesians six ten. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Again, is our struggle against flesh and blood? No, it's not about you know, hating the people who don't love God. It's about helping the people who don't love God. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Amen? Amen. If we are fighting against these sorts of forces, we should put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, it doesn't say if the day of evil comes. We all get several days of evil as this life goes on. It's not whether or not we're going to get through it without any days of evil. Some have more days of evil, harder days of evil than others. But everybody sees evil in this life. So we must be prepared so that when the day of evil comes, you may, able, you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Two of these are primarily offensive. Now, it isn't that you've got defense and offense. Is faith defensive or offensive? It's both, you know. But the the shield concept is more of a defensive thing. The offensive ones are the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, ready to go forward with the gospel, and then the sword of the Spirit. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, the good news of Jesus Christ includes everlasting life on this front in the war, that people can be, uh, you know, that God is just, and so he will eliminate everything that is evil. In heaven, will there be any evil? No. So all evil will be destroyed. So the wages of sin is death. However, God is also 
compassionate and full of love. He's not merely just, he's also full of love. So the wage of sin, which is death, must be paid. But God has made a way for us to be redeemed through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He pays the wage for us that we may live. That is an incredible message. We'll talk about that on December 2nd with the big power team. The big strong guys are going to come here Friday night, December the 2. I'll talk about that in a minute. It's going to be fantastic. They pick stuff up. It's cool. That is an important part of being ready with the gospel of peace. But also, the gospel of peace is also talking about living in abundant life. Grabbing hold of the blessings of God in this life. That we can conquer our victim mentality and live in our hearts as more than conquerors. That we can be overcomers. That we we don't have to be crushed by the darkness of this world, but we can overcome evil with good. That we do that now. We do that today. We do that side by side. That's also the gospel of peace. That you can have a good home life. You can have a quality marriage. You can raise your kids effectively. You can have uh, your finances in order. These are parts of the gospel. And so we reach out into the world with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And the sword of the Spirit is the power of God. It's not, it includes knowing the Bible. You know, a lot of people talk about the Bible as the sword. The, The sword is the Spirit which is the word of God. But look at verse 18. Let's do verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18. This is right after it says, take out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So it's talking about pull out the sword of the spirit. Pray, pray in the spirit. This is the power of God. And so it's not just memorizing the Bible. Is praying in the Spirit, speaking Bible verses over people, believing those the Word of God for ourselves, praying in the Spirit over other people, doing spiritual battle in prayer. That's what that's talking about, the sword of the Spirit. Now, one of these tends toward the intellectual, and the other tends toward the spiritual. And as we talk about this, I've noticed a tension inside uh, the body of Christ, inside Christian circles. Some people really like to think about God and get an intellectual understanding of how this all works and let's talk about theology and it'll be wonderful. Other people tend towards the spiritual and they like to see signs and wonders and miracles and, and just like, let's just float off into the distance, you know, let's just play that song 300 times and let's have ourselves some church. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's that. One of these tends toward the intellectual, the other tends toward the spiritual. And we need to understand who we are as individuals because we are to put on the full armor of God. And so if you like intellectual things, you still need to go to the spiritual things. And if you like spiritual things, you still need to go to the intellectual things because you need to put on the full armor of God, not just dwell in the area that you prefer. So let's look and see into ourselves who we are. The Apostle Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Paul says, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. 
So he's saying the Jews want to see a sign from God. They want a miracle. They want God to show up. Greeks, on the other hand, they want to understand it. They want wisdom. And so, spiritually speaking, you may be a spiritual Jew where you want a sign from God. You want the power of God to fall. You're all excited about signs and wonders and the presence of God and and those sorts of things. Or you may be, like me, a spiritual Greek who wants to understand it. You know, hey, I've seen my signs and wonders. How does that work? What is going on here? You know, I want to, I don't feel comfortable till I have a sense of understanding. But instead of this, we get, instead of miraculous signs and wisdom, we get Christ crucified. But we preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to Jews. You want a sign from God? You want the power of God to manifest? Woo! How about the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, gets captured by the bad guys and killed? It seems like a terrible sign. It's a stumbling block to Jews. They wanted Jesus to come and kick out the Romans and bring the kingdom of God in a tangible, a governmental way to the earth and restore Israel to its power. And they're like... You kill the king of kings? That makes no sense. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Foolishness to Gentiles. So some dude gets lynched 2,000 years ago by an angry mob and somehow this has something to do with my relationship with God? It's foolishness to Gentiles. But those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ power of God and the wisdom of God. So to, it, to the spiritual Jews who love the spiritual things, the signs and wonders, Christ crucified is the power of God, but it's also the wisdom of God. And to the spiritual Greek who loves the wisdom and the intellectual and the understanding, Christ crucified is the wisdom of God, but also the power of God. So we have the wisdom and the power of God. Which do you look for, wisdom or power? Let me tell you, the two are interrelated. One without the other is very incomplete. If you want an intellectual understanding of God, but you've never experienced God, it's like having an intellectual understanding of swimming, but you've never been swimming. You need to go swimming to understand swimming, right? And so if we stay separate from God, but we just think about God, that's very, very incomplete. Now, have you ever seen people who really like the spiritual things and then they just sort of take it somewhere they ought not to go? Have you seen that? And so that's spiritual things without wisdom. And so one without the other doesn't really work. They're incomplete. And so we need to walk in both the wisdom of God and the power of God. So... Understand who you are and embrace the parts of the armor of God that you may not feel very comfortable with. Embrace the wisdom of God or the power of God. If that's something that you're not comfortable with, try to get there. Put on the full armor of God. 
So let's talk about the readiness comes from the feet fitted with the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now this one leans toward understanding. Have you ever been uh, like taking a class on witnessing and how to share your faith and you learn the Roman road or something like that and you get an idea. Here's the scriptures I need to show them and if they're like this, read these scriptures and then tell them this. And it's very uh, intellectually based, right? Trying to convince them of something. And so uh, it leans towards understanding and we need to have these shoes on because if we're going to run the race in such a way as to get the prize we need to bring the gospel to the world but we need to have the right shoes on the gospel of peace not the gospel of hate not the gospel of misery or the gospel of legalism or the gospel of complacency or the gospel of weakness but the gospel of peace the true gospel We need to have the right shoes on. Now, I was up all weekend. Minnesota Youth Convention, I can't even see anymore. I put my glasses on. One of the interesting things about this feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, it's, it's got a double meaning. I looked it up in the Greek and everything and and it's, it's not, not just are you ready to go, you know, ready to advance because we we're ready, we're in the blocks, we're ready because we got the gospel, we see the need, we want to meet the need. But it also makes you ready. It makes you fit. It puts you in a position to be able to actually help. When we've got the peace of God in our hearts, the love of God in our hearts, we've received the gospel personally, then we're made ready to be able to go forward with the love of God. Till we have that, we don't have, we're not fit yet to go forward. So it's kind of an interesting little double meaning there. This is talking primarily about evangelism and discipleship. So evangelism, Acts 1.8 Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So this is, this is the power of God. See how they're mixed together? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Now a witness is someone who's seen something and tells about it. So if you are going to witness to somebody... Don't memorize some argument somebody else gave you. Just tell your story. What has God done for you? What is your experience with God? How how has God helped you through things? Just witness to what God has done for you. Just tell your story. Don't put on somebody else's story. Don't try to learn a bunch of other stuff and preach somebody else's sermon. Just witness Tell people what God has done for you. That's what this really means. And so you don't have to memorize somebody else's thing. Now maybe you want to argue an argument, something like that. That's great. And so uh, we'll talk about that in a minute too. But we're going to be doing a Team Extreme 
YWAMs, Big Strong Men, December 2nd, right here, Friday night, 7 p.m. It's going to be great. We're going to have the streaming in there. We're going to have the Big Strong people. Last time they came, about five years ago, they had a 400-pound Samoan guy named Tua. He is fat, man, he's a nice, nice guy. I hope he comes again. That'd be great. Humongous human being. He likes chicken. So if you, uh, <laughs> we have to feed them. So if you, if you have lots of chickens, uh, talk to me and we'll get Tua his chicken. But... They pick up heavy things and they all yell and scream and it's super fun. And then they say, if you want to know Jesus, you you know, you want to trade what you've got for what God has for you. Come on down. And then gobs of people come down and give their lives to Christ. It's an amazing thing. Hallelujah. I would have never expected that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's bizarre, but it's awesome because there's all kinds of different ways to share the gospel. There's all kinds of ways to be ready to go into this dark world with the light of Christ. The way I saw it early on was I took 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 very, very seriously. And this is what it says there. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Amen? So we don't punch people in the nose. We don't lower it over them. We have different weapons. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So I thought my job is to demolish arguments and to make sure everybody understands the things of God. And so I thought, well, I'm going to, if this is true, there's got to be evidence for it. So I'm going to come up with arguments for the existence of God. Figure that's what I'm going to do. And then people will have to face it because I'll have arguments for it and they just have to deal with it. I'm going to share three of them real quick with you this morning. Argument number one, the argument from time. This is now. Either time has always been, it goes on infinitely back into the time continuum, or time started. If time started, how did it start? Clearly, it started outside of time, right? But here's the deal. If time goes back infinitely into the past, then an infinite amount of time will have had to have already passed for us to get to now. So clearly, an infinite amount of time can't have already passed, so time had to begin. That means that the reality that we live in was started. It's not primary. It's secondary. It's created by something outside of time. Isn't that amazing? So clearly, this reality is secondary. And that's very, very consistent with Christianity and creation. Second argument, coming from a different angle. The argument from human equality. If you believe that God created this world and God created people, then we are all made in the image of God and we are all equal in the eyes of God. However, if you believe in evolution, then we're all in different stages. It's a continuum. It can be more or less evolved. You can be farther along or less farther along. So individually, racially, we can have differences in where we're at evolutionarily. You could value people less because of their intelligence or other abilities from an evolutionary perspective. And that's where ethnic cleansing and all these sorts of ideas come from. However, I believe that every human being is created equal because we're created by God in the image of God. And so we are equal. And that's only possible 
from God, it's not possible from evolution. In fact, we can't be equal from an evolutionary perspective. It doesn't fit with the system. And then my fourth argument is the argument from free will. If all there is is matter in motion and natural law, then everything that happens is happening because of the laws of physics. So if I drop this pen, what's going to happen? It's going to fall on the floor. You have supreme faith in that? Let's test it out. It worked. Look at that. Now you would just be a very complex pen that happens to be in motion and you think you're making choices, but you're not because you are subject to natural law just like everything else. And so you're complicated like the weather, but you do not make choices. You are subject completely and only to natural law. So there is no free will inside of atheism. However, if there is a part of me that is not part of this world, that is not subject to natural law, if I have a spirit in me that can override my natural inclinations, then I can choose. But I have to have something outside of the four dimensions that I have access to that is in me for me to be able to choose. So that is consistent with Christianity. Choice is possible within a spiritual understanding. I do not believe it is possible within an atheistic understanding. So we've got three nice arguments. Aren't those nice? Yeah. But if somebody doesn't like them, what do they do? They go like this. And then they move on with their life. I was quite disappointed. Because I thought these are good. But people you can just ignore them. It doesn't matter. I hate that. But... That's why we need more than intellectual understanding. We need the sword of the Spirit. This one lends itself to the miraculous. It leans toward the spiritual. And let me tell you, yes, you need to step into the Spirit. Mere intellectualism misses God. You with me? You need to step into the Spirit. Mere intellectualism, just like thinking about swimming, misses swimming. Thinking about God, misses God. We must enter into the Spirit. Look at what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Jesus talking to this fancy Pharisee guy. The Pharisee guy is, is sympathetic to Jesus' message. He likes Jesus a lot. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, you don't need to be the same guy with a different idea in your head. You need to be truly born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. You need to have a new creation inside of you that's not just the old you with a different idea, but a new you. Verse 7. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. We are to be born of the Spirit. Nicodemus was an intellectual. Jesus said to him, flesh gives birth to flesh. Ideas give birth to ideas. Theology gives birth to theology, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Step into the Spirit. Be born again. Born of the Spirit. It's not just ideas that change inside of us. But there's the presence and the power of God. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to take the sword of the Spirit. This is talking about lots of different things. 
speaking prophetically over people, praying over people, praying in tongues, interceding for the saints, praying in the spirit on all kinds of occasions. It's about praying and seeing miraculous healing, signs and wonders, hearing from God, getting direction from God. We need miracles in this spiritual battle. Amen? Amen. We need miracles, not just ideas. We need miracles. But these two need to work together. We need to receive both miracles from God, power from God, the Holy Spirit moving in our presence and also walking in wisdom and understanding. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a minute. But as they're coming up, I want to talk about God's secret weapon. We've talked about the gospel. We've talked about the sword of the Spirit. Let's talk about God's secret weapon, God's ultimate weapon. This weekend, I was down in Rochester, not getting any sleep. And, uh, but I, yesterday morning, yesterday morning, I was beating people, was beating kids in foosball. It was good. Down in Rochester. Had fun, but now, yo, early yesterday morning, playing me some foosball. It's good to be home. I'm going to take a nap in about half an hour. <laughs> but I'll stay focused till then. Speak in faith. God's secret weapon, God's ultimate weapon. God showed me something when we were walking through the parking lot uh, down at the Civic Center in Rochester. And it's that the greatest commandments and the greatest blessings of God mirror each other. They are, they're dependent on each other. The greatest commandments we see in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. This guy asked Jesus a great question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Loosely translated, love God with everything you have. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did, did the guy ask Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? No, but these two are interrelated. They go together. So we can't have one without the other and think that we're stepping into the fullness of God because of verse 40. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love our neighbors. And I think the two greatest blessings we have are to be loved by God and to walk through life with a loving, gracious, merciful, forgiving community that will lift us up when we're down and will help us through this. Those are the two greatest blessings. We open up those blessings by doing the commandments. If, uh, you ever had a crush on somebody like you're a kid and you're like, oh, she's so cute, that sort of thing. And, but she didn't care about you at all. Ever had that happen? Probably not. Uh, you may love that person, but if they don't love you back, it doesn't, the connection doesn't happen. God loves you. Simple fact. If you don't love him back, the connection isn't going to happen. You can't receive God's love till you love Him. 
And then you face each other and you can connect. And Christian community, we can't enter into community until we have grace and mercy and love for one another. Then we can walk together. And these great blessings come from obedience to the great commandments. And so this morning, let's love God and let's love one another so that we can walk in these great blessings and we can invite people in to great blessings. Let's pray for that. And then I'll open up the front for personal prayer. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, come get prayer. If you need a miracle, come get prayer. Uh, If you just need, you're not even sure what you need. You just need something. Come get prayer. But let's pray together first. Then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. Each one of us, where we're at, in the midst of our imperfections, you love us. Lord, I I pray for each person in this place that we would be able to love you back fully. We love you, Lord. Let us embrace you in the spirit, love you and be able to receive your love in his fullness. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of being loved by you. And Lord, help us to love the others that you love the one on the left, the one on the right, the one somewhere else, you love them too. Help us to love them that we may be part of a community that is safe, a community that is gracious and merciful, a community full of love. So Lord, let it be. Let us love you. Let us love each other that we may be loved by you and be embraced by a community. Praise you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Lord, I pray your peace would be upon us. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be in us. And, Lord, that we'd be able to walk in your strength and your power so that there wouldn't be a shadow of darkness in this world that your gospel wouldn't reach. So, Lord, bless us. Help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.